0: Thank you for listening to the Calvary Chapel Lubbock podcast with our senior pastor, Ben Martinez. Don't forget to check out our website at calvarychapellubbock.church. There you'll find a lot more about our mission to love God, love people, and live radically. Now here's Pastor Ben. If you were to pick a single word to describe our society, perhaps one of the most accurate words would be pressure. Pressure. See, we live in a day that I believe is marked by pressure in almost every area of our lives. We feel like we're in this pressure cooker of a world, and that's been happening for a long, long time now. It's just been amplified over the last few years. Every time we turn on the news, we feel a little bit pressure. We feel a little bit more stressed, a little bit more anxious, a little bit more uh, all of this stuff that's going on in our world. Now, if you guys are really honest and and we're supposed to be honest in church, we all thought by 2022 we might have been a little bit further along than we are. We might have thought, hey, things would have been back to normal. Things would have been and, and uh, heading back to the way they used to be. It was the older folks that used to call them the good old days, and now, two years ago, it's simply the good old days. Not that they were great, but they were, well, it was different. It was different. We seem to be a unified country. We seem to be uh, moving forward. We seem to be making progress. And today, well, the way Paul writes the way Paul says it in writing to Timothy, he puts it like this Second Timothy chapter three, verse one, you guys know this, but let me go ahead and break it down. He says, But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Now the perilous times, Church, is that's what he means stressful. That's that's what he means. He he means pressure cooker. He says, In the last days, it's going to get even more pressure, more pressure, more pressure more pressure, more pressure. And you go, well, how do you know we're living in the last days? Well, we've been living in the last days for 2,000 years. We've been living in the last days, so you, you would think we're pretty close to the very end of those last days. But look what he says. He says, I want you to know this. I want you to know this. In the last days, stressful, stressful. And then he goes on to list, but, but what Paul is doing, and he's giving us a heads up, That as we live in these last days, 2021, 2022, moving forward, 2023, he says there's going to be times of pressure. Stresses will come. And we can certainly see that. We're marked each and every day by the pressures of life. Now, I want you to keep that in mind as we go through the text tonight. You go, why is that? You see, not only are there a lot of pressures in life, not only do we feel them in our world, our society, but we also realize that there are those who feel like, well, if you will, they're, they're in a wilderness with God. They're separated from God. They feel far from God. There's a lot of people who feel that way. And it doesn't have to be that you're backsliding or you're, or you're not reading your Bible or you're not praying. But there are times in our lives where we feel like we're in the wilderness. God, I've prayed and you haven't heard my prayer. God, I've cried out to you and I I don't get any response. Lord, I've, I've went to sleep asking and, and to no avail. Many believers feel like they're in a desert with God. Maybe you're here tonight and you feel that way. And you come into church and and this is a refreshing time for you, but, but for the most part you feel like, well, you might even feel like you're so distant that it scares you. You might feel distant. That you go, "Am I even? Am, am I saved, Lord? How are things between us?" Because, cause like I haven't, and, and and for me, I go back to the days, guys, when, when I first got saved, and I mean, it was like everything. God was in everything, and and that's all I lived for, and it was it was the Lord, and and I don't. And there are times when. I too myself have had dark souls or dark seasons of the night where I feel like it's it's always night, Lord, Lord, Lord. What are you doing, Lord? What are you doing? Stands to reason why it felt like the enemy was attacking a little bit today as I persevered through the text, but. I believe David is going to offer us tonight some encouragement and some application. So maybe you've come here tonight and you go, no man, I feel great with God. I'm that's awesome. And I say, Amen, keep moving. But maybe you do feel a little bit distant from God. Maybe you feel like I haven't I haven't oh I don't I don't know. I don't know. Or maybe you feel so distant that it scares you. Well, God through the Word of God, is going to offer us some great encouragement. Now, let me give you some background, okay, as we jump into our text. David, think about this, David is on the run from King Saul. Now, I don't think any of us in this room has, have, have been fugitives, on the run, overlooking our shoulder with a hit on our lives. You know, I mean, we've all some, done some crazy stuff, but I'm not sure we're at the level of what David is going through right now. But he is on the run. He is a fugitive, okay? He is a fugitive. I mean, and uh, think about this. He's in the wilderness. Everybody got that? And he's a fugitive. And I think those two can be a deadly combination. Wouldn't you agree? The isolation of the wilderness, the looking over your shoulder, you go, baby, what do you mean? Well, think about wilderness for a second. Think about wilderness, okay? Think about, think about it like this. You're all alone. You're, the land is barren. I mean, like, if I was going to be a fugitive or I was going to be in the wilderness, Hawaii would be really good for me. You understand that, right? I mean, i it's like, I'm running from God, but I'm in the, I'm in Hawaii. This is good. My toes are in this. I mean, that's, but this is, that's not what he's talking about. He's talking about a place that's barren. It's dry. And I would imagine that David is lonely. He's lonely. There's a couple of things about loneliness that we can talk about tonight. One of them is that we can be lonely in a room full of people. We can be lonely in a room full of people. And it still affects us. How you doing? I'm doing good, brother. How are you? Good. But deep inside, you, you still feel alone. Loneliness. I think a second part of loneliness <sighs> is that you feel alone. And you are alone. Think about it like this. Think about it like this. Do you guys remember when Nehemiah was rebuilding the walls? Do you remember that? The the, the enemies of Nehemiah, what did he want him he, he wanted to get Nehemiah out of Jerusalem into the valley of Ono? Do you remember that? He wanted to isolate him, get him away from his family, get him away from the people, get him away from the encouragers. Let me pull you let me get you alone and you know what Nehemiah said, "Oh no, I'm not going to oh no. I'm not going to have no." Because he understood. He understood. And and so David is in the wilderness. And I was thinking about the wilderness and and I looked this up and 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 listened to this. This is what con- compellingtruth.org writes. So this is what they write. I thought it would be very interesting quote. This is the primary wilderness experience that gives our metaphorical wilderness experience their name. The article goes on and says, Sometimes, we sometimes feel far from God, especially, or spiritually dry. Or that our prayers are hitting the ceiling, so to speak. We may feel sort of some sort of spiritual depression. And find it difficult to find joy in the Lord. Some, during this time, actually experience spiritual attack. And others undergo temptation. These wilderness experiences can be the consequences of our own failures. Or lack of attention in our relationship with God. But often, a wilderness experience will seemingly appear from nowhere Perhaps at the time of testing by God to produce maturity in us. Often these wilderness experiences occur following a mountaintop experience, and sometimes we feel close to God and are specially aware of His presence. After such a high valley of the wilderness experience, we can feel especially low. I thought it was an interesting article. Because again you and I if you well don't look at Lubbock as a wilderness I mean I know it's dry and windy and very parched at times and and uh I think of Anthony coming from California we're just going to bless him because he's going to see the haboob and he's going to experience all the stuff that we have already you know but it is it is But I thought again metaphorically thinking isn't that the truth So let me ask you a question. Have you ever felt far from God? Have you ever experienced the wilderness? We all have. And I love the insight that David gives us. But before I go on, remember I said there was a deadly combination, wilderness and being a fugitive? Think about what David is going through right now. Think about what he's going through emotionally. Because what I love about David is that we can relate to him. Can I get an amen? We can relate to Dave, right? Right now think about this dave's always looking over his shoulder okay even though he's in the wilderness lisa he doesn't have the freedom to just be in the wilderness okay he he's just all like well this is home <sighs> he's always looking think about it he's he's just always looking over his back wondering if today i, I mean can you imagine wondering if today would be the day that they kill him Despite the promises of God, I'm telling you, David still feels the effects of being on the run. Have you ever experienced that? You know God promises. You know God loves you. You know he has a plan for your life. And there are times in our lives where we still feel much like David. And we can go, Melanie, we can go from... God, you are my, and we're worshiping on the mountaintop, to a week later, where are you? We're crying out to you, God, I just don't know what's going on. And we can do that. David wants to offer us some insight. Because if you're taking notes, Psalm 63 was written in the wilderness. And considering what he was experiencing... This helps us see why he uses the language he does. So I really wanted to paint a picture of David. I want you to feel, I want you to put yourself in his sandals. There you are. You see, even now, even now, because of technology, we never feel truly alone because we can get on our phones, we can get on our devices, and we can scroll, or we can look, or we can call, or we can text but you have to remember that's not dave dave's going mm, I, I hello now listen the closest thing that i came to there's a television show on okay and it was on the history channel and it started off with a with with a series called alone anybody've ever seen that alone have you seen that just one person in here alone and and I don't know if you watched it, but I watched it, and all it does is make me hungry. Because they're alone. And here's the thing. Here's the premise of the story. They give them a camera. They teach them how to use this. These are guys who, who have who have been able to experience all the wilderness, I mean, just all of that. They're trained out there. And then they, they drop them off in the middle of nowhere to hunt and fish. Okay, now they have a satellite phone when they're ready to tap out. If they get enough, they go, boom, come pick me up, and they're there. But for the most part, they're alone. Nobody else. The person that lasts the longest wins. So if you go 40 days, 50 days, 60 days, you know what I found? They drop 10 contestants off, and the majority of them tap out within the first few weeks because... Emotionally, they can't handle not talking, not seeing another human. Not now, there's a lot of them who who, who get pulled off the show because of, of, of hunger issues and starvation issues, and they can't find food. But the majority of them are going, I just I can't do this. Now, you're talking about beautiful places to, to be. Like all of you would be like, that's where I want to be. I'll be there for, this is where I want to be. And, and you go, no, 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 no. I don't care how beautiful it is. God created us to be with people. You understand that. And so David's going, where, where are my peeps? I'm, I'm all alone. I'm all alone. I'm all alone. Now, side note. What I find interesting going through this text I want you to see how different David responds being in the wilderness compared to the way Israel was in the wilderness from the period of Exodus to Joshua. I want you to know. Because here's what I want you to think about, okay? if you guys remember Israel? You go, yeah, yeah, Israel. How did they respond being in the wilderness? Okay? Now, Again, this trips me out as a believer. And you go, why? Because if I put myself in with Israel, there we are, and the Red Sea opens up, I'm like, whoa! And, and, and as far as I'm walking, I'm walking through the Red Sea and I'm looking at this going, this is nuts. This is crazy. God, wow. This is, okay, Lord, you're good. You're amazing. And we're singing the song. Hallelujah. God is amazing. We get to the other side. We turn around, and here comes the Egyptians. Oh, we're gonna die! (laughs) Done. Now I saw that. I saw that. I saw. saw. (gasps) Honey, did you see that? Yeah, they're done. There's no Egyptians. Oh my gosh, God is God, right? And we're praising God, are we not? But just a few more chapters. Guess what's happening? They're grumbling. They're complaining. And they're worshiping idols. Okay, so the big question is, after tonight's study, who do you feel like more, David or Israel, right? You're going, oh man, yeah, sometimes I feel like Israel. Well, if I'm honest, I feel, I feel more like Israel more, more, most often of the time than I do David. You see, somehow I bought into the story that, that as, a, as a Christian, that I'm gonna, it's going to be all great. Everything's going to be wonderful. I'm going to be happy all my life. I'm going to get everything I've ever wanted. I'm going to pray it's going to be there. And I've bought into this. And so, and so when it doesn't happen, then I'm really sad. And I'm going, God, what did I do? How come I did I don't. And I feel like God judges on this like, okay, he's waiting for Ben to make a mistake. And okay, ready? He's, oh, he's going to make it. Trust me. He's going. I know him. And then, and if you make a mistake, and and more often than not, guys, I I feel like I'm grumbling, and more often than not, I feel like I'm, you know, complaining, and more often than not, I feel like I have unbelief. Now, you can you can hang with me, or you can go. Well, you're crazy. But David teaches and he responds differently this is dave this is the same crazy dude that was all you know drooling on his beard and going you know just to, to, to i mean this is him but but he responds in faith trust and confidence in god and we can learn from both examples but david models for us how to trust god and grow in faith through the wilderness so if you're taking note guys psalm is broken down three ways First of all, in verses 1 through 4, we're going to see our desire for God. Our desire in the midst of the wilderness, how we need a fellowship with God. Our desire. The second, in verses 5 through 8, is our delight in God. Our delight in God. Fellowship, favor, and then last, in the last couple of verses, we're going to see our defense with God. Our defense. Okay? And so that's where we're going to be. So... Let's jump into our text, guys. Get with me. Let's go. Buckle your seatbelts. I want you to see our desire for God to fellowship with him. Our desire. Verse 1 through 4. Let's read. Oh, God, you are my God. Early will I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because of your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. Thus I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. Your attention, please. If you're in the wilderness and you're a fugitive and you have all these emotions going on, how would you start your psalm? David says, oh God, you are my God, right? I can tell you, mine's not going to start that way. It might start with God, but there'd be a lot more tears and, and frustration and grumblings and come, God, you said you were God. God, you you promised. God, God, God. And I understand, again, I, I, I want to I learn from David. So let's unpack what he's saying. David starts off with oh god if you have a pencil handy that god right there is Elohim Elohim and you know we get Elohim basically from Genesis it's it's Elo it is creator god and every time i think of Elohim i think of big god i think of mighty god i think of creator god i think of god who can do nothing who can do everything i mean this is god but then he says, oh God, oh Elohim, you are my, and you would think it would be Elohim, but the, actually the Hebrew rendering is El. Oh Elohim, you are my El. You're my God. You're my God. Translate it out, this is, I, I mean, this is just, this is, this is incredible. Now, again, <sighs> think about it. David is on the run for his life. But yet there's an element of trust. Because he's saying, oh God, most powerful creator, sovereign Lord, you are my El, you are my Yahweh, you are my Adonai, you're my God. It's personal. It's personal. There has to be an element of trust in your life that's constant, so that you can say, O Elohim, you are my Yahweh. You have to. This is what David is teaching us. This is what David is teaching us. And I mean, here's, here's the application for us. In the midst of the pressures of life, the stresses, the worries, the wilderness, what we need to grasp and what we need to amen to is God is always with us. He's always with us. And so many times we feel like he's forsaken us, that he's left us, that he's busy doing other things, or we're not worthy. We always we feel like that. But, but, but the element is like, no, no, he's God. And he said he's always with, and we trust him. We trust him. Would you do me a favor and think about it like this? Would you for just a second imagine what David might have wrote if he didn't feel this element of trust? What do you think the psalm would have been like? I'm thinking it might have been things like, "Oh God, I give up." "Oh God, you're not hearing my prayers." Here, here's one that meant that, that people, like, oh God, don't you care? Oh God, I feel alone. Those are very valid points that David could have written because that's probably how he feels. But he's not walking by feelings, is he? He's walking by faith. How is he walking by faith? Because he's got an element of trust. He's got an element of trust. I mean, guys, this is this is so mind-blowing. Okay? So here's what I want you to see. Grasp this. David never allows the trials of life to create doubt on who God is or if he even exists. Now, there's trials where David goes, God help me. I understand he's he's crying out to God because he feels the level of distress, but it's never to the point where he goes, I don't think there's God. I don't think there's a God. I don't think He's, I don't, I don't think He's going to be there for me. I just, never the trials because that element of trust happens. And it happens for us as believers. When you gave your life to God, the Lord Jesus came in. He took up residency in you. And that's that element of trust that no matter what you go through, no matter what your stresses are, no matter what your wildernesses are, no matter what's happening with you, you know that God is still in you and he loves you and he's still got a plan for you this is what the word of God is saying David is teaching us it's like wow so what should we do well David gives us some instructions you guys ready he says this early will I seek you early will I seek you if you have a pencil handy, circle that word for seek. It's very, very, uh, just a great word. Why? Because in the Hebrew, it means to task, to set out and do a task, to search. Okay? It means to go seeking, looking, searching, and praying. Okay? Searching, looking, seeking, and praying. That's what it means. So the question is, Tiffany, have you ever lost something in the house? that your husband put away but didn't tell you. No, I'm kidding. I'm just saying, okay, there are times in my house, okay, there are times in my house that I will go searching for something, and yes, the easiest thing to do is ask my wife because she's probably put it somewhere it belongs, but that's not why I had it, and I'll go searching. Ever done that? And you go searching, and you go looking, and you take stuff apart, and you're in drawers, and your wife comes home, she goes, what are you doing? No, my wife doesn't do that, but I understand, right? But it's so funny in our lives that we've got to the point in my life where I'd like to go searching because it drives my wife crazy. I know if I ask her where it is, she's gonna say, just go right here. It's right here, there it is. But I'll open drawers. And, and I think it's the same feeling, guys, that, that he says, early, I'm looking for you. I'm searching for God. It's a task. It's not something you're like. Ugh, it's early in the morning. All right. Lord, I'm here. I love you. I've always loved you, and things would have changed. I would have told you, but I still love you. Amen. And then we go about our day. That's not seeking God. This is, this is not that word. He goes, oh, God, you are my God. He says, early will I seek you. It's a It's a task. It's a task. And how does it happen? Well, you get into the Word, and then all of a sudden, He starts showing you stuff, and you're, next thing you know, you're like, oh, check it out, and you're looking, and you're, oh, oh, wow. And now, hours gone by, and you've studied, and you're just like, wow. Wow. That was awesome. That was awesome. But I also want you to know early, why, because the psalmist here says, David says, start your day seeking God. Start your day seeking God. I think it's important. Now, I know there are some people that are night owls. I understand. They're not morning persons, and they get up, and they barely make it to the day, get going. But boy, night, they're, they're on it with the Lord. But early, start your day with the Lord. Start your day with the Lord. He goes on and he says, my soul, what does he do? My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in a dry and thirsty land where there is no water. Notice he's not saying anything about God. He's going, let me just tell you what's going on. What's that? He says, read it guys. My flesh longs for you. My flesh longs for you. Where does it long for you? In a dry and thirsty land, in a dry place. I'm in a wilderness, but my soul. And you go, Ben, what is he saying? Here's what I want you to know. I want you to note something very, very important that I feel like we've missed. And I say we, here in Western civilization and, and here, we've missed. I want you to note the value of God in David's life. Tell me what you would be thinking if you're in the wilderness and a fugitive and on the run. You're not thinking, maybe I should go to church. You're thinking, I need to do this, I need to do this, and this is to spare my life, I've got to go here. And your mind is but David says, No, 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 here's the value of God in my life. He's number he's he's God. He's God, and I want you to note that. Why? Because here's what I want to bring home. No matter what else is going on, David says, I'm seeking you. I'm longing to be in your presence. I know what it's like not to have water. I know God. He says, I'm actually thirsty for more of you. For more of you. Here's some application. Jot this down. We won't be satisfied in our lives, satisfied, until we place the greatest value of God far above anything or anyone. We won't be satisfied in our lives until we place the greatest value of God far above anything and anyone. When young people, youngish people come to me and say, Pastor Ben, we want to get married. Will you, do our, will you do our counseling? The very first thing I tell them is, this is not going to work unless you love God more than you love him. This is not going to work unless you love God more than you love her. This is where the sp- again, why? Because if I'm being honest, I've seen so many people following Jesus, loving Jesus, and then somebody comes into their lives, and instead of lifting them up and helping them get closer to God, they pull them away from the church, family, and God. We have to have the greatest value. The greatest value. Where do you think... In the wilderness, our biggest attacks come from our thoughts, our thoughts. Isn't that the first place we run to? When you're in the wilderness, you're wrestling with your thoughts. And a lot of times your thoughts are, well, God, if you love me, this wouldn't be happening. Or God, I don't understand this, so I'm not sure. And it's our thoughts. But see, think about this, guys. Guys. What David says is, no matter what my thoughts are saying, no matter what's going on, he values and esteems and loves God higher than anything else. And that's why, Adam, we have to take every thought captive. We have to take it captive because, again, what do our thoughts do? Those those fiery darts coming at you going, whoa, 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 watch out. And we start thinking these things. And when we think, what happens? Guy says, we'll ponder them. We'll ponder them, and they'll move into our heart. And then we begin to act on them. Yet the bottom line is there's no room for these doubts to come into our, our, our minds and in our hearts because Lord Jesus is already there. And he says, no, this is the highest. This is the value. No matter what's going on, it's got to be God. It's got to be God. Even though David's in the wilderness, his values esteems God far above anything else. And you go, Ben, how do you know? By what David is writing. This is what he's thinking about. Sometimes in our lives, we think more about the circumstances than we do God. David is writing about God, not worried about the circumstances. Guilty. Oh, look at all this. (laughs) Pastor Ben, what's the matter? Well, you don't understand. This is going on, this is going on, this is going on, this is going on. This is happening, this is happening. Well, how big is your God? Oh, not very big right now. Not David. David tells us. He goes, you know what? No matter what. Oh God, you are my God. Oh God, you are my God. It even gets better. It gets better. Look at David's heart. He says, So I have looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory because your loving kindness is better than life. My lips shall praise you. Thus, I will bless you while I live. I will lift up my hands in your name. Beautiful, beautiful text. Why? Because he's telling us, he says, so I have looked for you in the sanctuary. I want you to circle that word in your Bibles. Why? Because the word sanctuary here is not only a place, but a spiritual concept that could be entered by faith. That's what he's saying. It's not just a place, but it's a spiritual concept that can be entered by faith. So David goes, I'm looking for you in the sanctuary. You go, well, Ben, there is no sanctuary. He's out in the wilderness. Exactly. Exactly. And I mean, I'm just like, oh my gosh, I don't know about this, but do you see Jesus all over the text? You go, what do you mean? Think about this, guys. Think about this. When we're in a dry and barren land, spiritually speaking, we look for Jesus to refresh us. And although, think about this, although he's not physically here, we can enter into his presence by faith. Okay, here's the dun 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 question. You know what the dun 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 question is? It's like dun dun dun. You go, what's that? When you, when you feel far from God, when you feel like your prayers aren't being answered, when you feel like you're in the wilderness, do you run to Jesus or do you run away from him? David says, no, no, no. Here's the thing. I looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Think about this, guys. Think about this. Again, The word of God speaks to us actually concerning this. If you're taking note, it's Hebrews chapter 4, 15 and 16. The writer of Hebrew writes, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weakness. But he was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, he says, "Let us therefore come boldly through the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in a time of need." What did the writer of Hebrews says? He says, "Listen, when you're in a dark and, and, and barren, and, and you're and you're, you can come to the word. You can come to the throne of God, and you can find help in that time of need." So the question is, where are you running to? Where are you running to? Jesus has all the answers. Jesus is the answer. Where are you running to? If your marriage is broke, where are you running to? If you're feeling down and depressed, where are you running to? If you feel like you're far from God, where are you running to? And again, he, he here he says, again, I'm looking for you in the sanctuary, Lord, by faith. By faith. And once again, notice, notice in the text, the love and value David places on his life, the, the, places God in his life, where he is in his life. Now, now let me just make that clear because I know some of you go, "What do you mean that? What do you mean by that?" Well, I don't want you to place God and in, in, have Him number one in your life. You understand that, right? Well, God's number one. He's number one. That's not placing value. That's just a number that you. What I'm asking you to do is is, is God has to have all your life. There's no disconnect between who you are and what you do and your occupation there's no di- this is who you are if you're selling a home it's all about Jesus if you're doing an in- it's uh, there should be no disconnect now let me let me just make this clear okay when your employer is paying you to work work well, I was, uh, you know, I took a twenty thirty five minute break because I was preaching to people about Jesus. But your employer's paying you. We do that on our off time. But we're still representing God there. It's He's He's not number one. He's everything. He's my all in all. And the thing about it, guys, is remember. It should just come out naturally. Oh wait a minute! Wait a minute! I'm going to be meeting with some people. Let me put on my Christian face. Hold on. You know, and that's not, we should just, okay, okay. Well, what do you mean? Well, again, look at the text, right? Look at the text, okay? He says, I've looked for you in the sanctuary to see your power and your glory. Now, look at verse 3, guys. Because your loving kindness is better than life. Circle that word. Circle that word, loving kindness. That's a very great word. Why? Because here's what it means. It means God's great love or the love, great love of God for us. That's what it means. It says, your love, God, your love for me is better than life. It's better than life. That's what he's saying. This isn't, listen, okay, so David, we got to have a talk because if you're out in the wilderness and you're a fugitive, this is not what you should be writing. You should be writing just sad, sad psalms that we can all agree with. Yeah, God doesn't like us. Everybody hates us. I think we'll just, whatever, you know. But he's going, he's going no, no, here's what I found. It doesn't matter my circumstances. Come on, church. Okay, thank you, Soph. It doesn't matter our circumstances. David's saying your love is better than life. Compared to all I have or will ever have, your love, your loving kindness is so much better. Wow. Wow. And that's why he can write, I will praise you, I will bless you, I will lift my hands high. Okay, so every start of service we say okay let's come and worship the lord and we've we've narrowed worship into the music part and and really the whole service is a worship part okay well i'm going i'm not i'm i'm not going to make it for worship i'm not going to make it for the, no 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 think about this guys think about this when we understand that that his love is better than life that's when we come in and we can raise our uh, What are they singing? Never heard that song before, but I love... And you're worshiping God because you understand that's the value He has in your life. Think about it. Your love is better than even me living. Guys, life is not worth living without the love of God. I gotta have it. Listen, we don't follow Jesus because he makes life better. We follow Jesus because he's better than life. So many people thought, God, if I follow you, you'll just make my life better. I'll have every, that's not us. Christians go, you know what, Lord, it doesn't matter if life gets any better because you're better than life. You're better than life. Now notice what he says i want to show you something David is writing that the love of god to david was better than life you understand that god's love not that our life our love for god was better than life it's not well i love god so it's he, he understood he understood That's going to be one of the areas that you're attacked in. You go, why, where, what, who, when? No, 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 think about this. The biggest thing the enemy will attack you is God's love for you. If God really loves you, and that's all you need to hear. That's the biggest attack. Of course, God loves you. He sent, and, and so, and so part of learning the scriptures is that we see the love of God through Calvary, through the cross, through our Lord Jesus, all the things He's given us, all the blessings. And then we don't have to doubt that. And we can say, oh no, God's love is better than life. That's what He's talking about. And David says, and because of that, I will bless you. Now, we've got to do some work, okay? Because sometimes we think blessing is the lesser to the, or or the greater to the lesser. Well, I'm going to bless Mike because I can. That's not what that means, okay? That's not what that means because, again, how can we bless God? But the way we bless God, guys, the way he's talking about this is the praise of God under sweet surrender. When we come in and say, hey, I want you to bless his heart. It's your sweet surrender to him going, God, you're my God. And I just worship you. I just praise you. And see, it happens here on Wednesday nights, and it happens on Thursdays when we pray, and it happens at your house when you have alone time, and it happens when, it happens all the time. That's when you bless God in sweet surrender to him. In sweet surrender. So those were power-packed. Now we move on very quickly, guys, to our delight in God. Verses 5 through 8. It says, My soul, David writes, shall be satisfied with the marrow and the fatness, and my mouth shall praise you with joyful lips. When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches, because you have been my help. Therefore, the shadow of your wings I will rejoice. My soul follows close behind you, your right hand upholds me guys look what David is doing this is so cool he says I find David finds great delight in the Lord he finds delight in the Lord David writes you satisfy me more than all of the richness the richest feasts can you imagine I will praise you with songs of joy as a matter of fact David says look what he says I lie awake thinking of you meditating on you through the night. Okay, a couple of things jump out here doesn't don't they? Don't they? Come on now, come on. Ooh, when you first met the love of your life. I'm looking at the earlies over there. I Tony, Tony was probably laying in bed thinking "After she ooh, wow. Could this be real? And then, you know, I mean, come on. That's what love does. Valentine's Day's coming up. I mean, come on, this is what love does. It gets it gets us to sing. Oh. Guys write poetry. All kinds of stuff. But I can tell you the truth. There were many, many, many a nights that I stayed wide awake thinking of Nathalie. That's, wow. I can't wait to marry her someday. What a great, ah. Just me? I mean, come on. I don't know how the kids do it these days. I I really don't. But I know that, that she used to take some of her perfume and spray it on a garment like a bandana. Ah, look. And then you'd go, ah, it smells like her. And then you ah, come on. Come on. Ah. And you'd, that's what David's saying about God. He's like, I love God so much. I lie awake thinking about him. I lie awake thinking about God. What's the difference? We could lie awake thinking about God and how wonderful and blessing and amazing He is, or we could think about how our lives are, and then we get depressed and we get sad. Well, no. He says, look, look, meditating on you through the night. Now, let me bring up point number two quickly. Point number two, you go, what's that? If God wakes you up in the night, it's probably to meditate and pray. You ever do that? Soph, wake up! I can't go back to sleep. That's weird. Normally I'm straight, I'm out. The Lord's like, hey. And then he'll put somebody on your heart. and You pray. You pray. David in the wilderness is writing, because you're my helper, I sing for, for joy in the shadow of your wings, because you're my helper. I cling to you, he says, you are the right hand that holds me. Guys, think about it. What's he talking about? He's making a reference to the cherubim, the shadow of the wings, and the cherubim was what? Do you remember the presence of God, right? It was always they were. And so he's so David. Now remember, we don't we don't have New Testament yet. So he's going. I'm I'm remembering the shadow of your wings, and 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 so David says, I feel like I'm dry. I feel like I'm thirsty. I feel like I'm, and the only thing that will satisfy is the presence of the Lord. That's what he's saying right here. He says, therefore, I will cling to you for security. You guys know this. I'm sure every one of us has felt this from time to time. Have you ever been so thirsty, so, thir- so dry and so thirsty that you just wanted a nice cold glass bottle, whatever, of water? Nothing else was going to do. Has someone offered you a soda? No, that's not going to satisfy. I just need water. And that's what David is saying. He's saying, okay, you ready? My desire, ah, fellowship. My delight is thinking about how good God is. This is what he's saying. And then he comes to the last couple of verses and he says, now, this is our defense with God. Look at verse 9. But those who seek my life to destroy it shall go into the lower parts of the earth. They shall fall by the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals. Think about what David said. David's like, okay, God, you're my defense. Those who are coming after me, you'll take care of it. You'll take care of it. As a matter of fact, they're going to go to the lower parts of the earth. They're going to fall by the sword. Now, who was chasing David? Do you remember? Saul. Who actually died by the sword? Saul. Now, David's not prophesying that, but he's going, Lord, you got this. You got this. He says, and this is sad, but you can just jot this down. He says, the portion shall be for jackals. If you have a pencil handy, that's scavengers. He's going... He's going, man, in the desert, guess what? If you fell and died, you were food for the scavengers. And David probably throughout his life saw that. And so he's like, hey, watch this. Verse 11, guys. But the king shall rejoice in God. Everyone who swears by him shall glory. But the mouth of those who speak lies shall be stopped. Now, here's where it gets good. I want to show you something really quick, and I'm running out of time. But here's what it says. It says, But the king shall rejoice. Do you guys see that? Underline it. Underline it. You go, why? Why is this important? Because David's not on the throne. David's not on Israel's throne. That was promised to him, but he had to wait many more years for that to be fulfilled. You're going, okay, okay. It was God's promise that was first expressed in the first, um, 1 Samuel chapter 16. So what does David do? By faith, David would, could dare think himself as king. David said, it's a promise of God, so the king, that's me. What well, has it happened? Hasn't happened. Hasn't happened. He said, Lord, I'm not on the throne yet, but you promised I will be king, so I'm going to speak... Of myself as king, and the daring faith shall rejoice in God. How is that important? Think about it like this. This is who we are in Christ. This is who we are in Christ. It's our identity. Okay? And to take it one step further, the Lord says this is how it goes down, okay? There's called progressive sanctification, Until you have glorification. When are you glorified? You're glorified when you die. Well, how do you know I'll be glorified? Because the Lord promised it. Well, you're not there yet. No, but he promised it. He promised it. That's why it's so important of the resurrection. That's why it's so important that we celebrate the resurrection Sunday. That's why it's so important. Right? You go, it's not just, well, it's about bunnies and Easter, and we're having eggs and blah, blah, blah. No, it's about the resurrection, because when you believe the resurrection, and he's resurrected, then we too are going to be resurrected. That's the promise. Oh, I haven't seen it yet. Exactly. David wasn't king yet, but he's writing as if, okay, I'm going to be king. I'm going to be king. And just one quick note, I've got to mention this, so you guys, because we're a Bible teaching fellowship, he says, he says, but the king, I'm going to rejoice in God, that's going to be me, everyone who swears by him shall glory. Now again, remember, this is one of those things, this is where we get the term, you remember when you were a kid and you would, you would tell somebody the truth and you'd go, no, I swear by, I swear by God, I, or I swear to God, we used to say, I swear to God. Well, this is where it comes from, because what it meant was it wasn't like, oh, well, it's a bad thing. What David is saying, he says, I want to take the very thing that, that, um, that uh, I hold dear. I'm not using it in vain, but I swear by it because it's the truth. And this is why we used to put, I don't know if they still do it now, but you used to put your hand on a Bible and say, do you, tell, do you swear to tell the whole truth, nothing but the truth, so help you God? And you would say, yes, because there was nothing greater than the word of God. And so David says, I'm swearing on the most important thing in my life, and that's God. I swear by him. I swear by him. As we get ready to partake in communion, we may do one song. We may not. But let's get our hearts ready to prepare. How about we do this? We'll do one song Tal, well, let's do one song, but then we'll sit quietly before God and let him minister to us. How's this going to work? Well, let's take it together as a family. So as the worship team comes up to just do, we're going to, we'll let the, we're just going to, just a sweet, sweet time. Come up, get ready. And uh, again, you've got to open these up, but we'll take them together as a family, as Ohana right here. So, so let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you. We praise you for tonight, Lord. I'm so sorry. I thought I gave myself enough time. Um, but Lord, may this may it be sweet, Lord. I I don't want to rush this, Lord. This is this is this is a beautiful time. I don't want to rush Lord the time with you. So, Lord, search our hearts, Lord. Maybe there's some of us that feel far from God tonight, and tonight you say, Lord, I'm coming home. My, I'm going I'm to focus on you. Maybe there's some of you that need prayer. You, Pastor, pray for me. I'm going to be up here and praying. And we're going to do one song, and then we're just going to sit quietly. While the song is playing, you can get up and you can get the elements here, and you can prepare your heart in prayer.